Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. Downtown Cardiff, the capital city of Wales, a beautiful place. Cardiff Castle stands in the heart of downtown and is a fine specimen of a bygone era. I've watched a military tattoo take place in the lovely grounds of this castle, quite a spectacle. The Civic Centre, the University Campus, Library and Museum all find themselves in the heart of Cardiff in captivating, architecturally pleasing buildings. There's a huge pedestrian shopping area in the centre of town as well, complete with enclosed malls and archways that branch in many directions. You can shop underneath no matter what the weather is like. I was walking through one of these shopping areas and happened to see a signpost over a particular alleyway. The name caught my attention. It was named Tabernacle Lane. I asked my companion if there was a Jewish community at the end, figuring that the word tabernacle would be of Jewish origins. He smiled and said, Years ago, that alleyway had led to a large Baptist church. He further explained to me that years ago, for reasons that he didn't know, the church closed. Perhaps they moved into the suburbs as the city grew and shops, office buildings, and businesses expanded in the city. Churches and other places moved to the suburbs following the migration of the people who also found it better to move away from the crowded hustle and bustle of the city and into more quiet and aesthetically acceptable countryside. One of the larger businesses in downtown Cardiff is a department store named Howells. It has been a landmark in Cardiff for many, many years. Apparently, during the preceding years, as Howells grew with the city as it grew, they absorbed some of the buildings around them as they expanded their business. You guessed it. One of the buildings that they absorbed was Tabernacle Baptist Church. My friend said that even now, if we were to go into Howells, we would find some of the brickwork that made up the columns of Tabernacle Baptist craftily enjoined into the structure that is now a department within Howells. He further explained that they had also preserved the pulpit of the old church, and it too can be seen in the store in its original position, now surrounded, of course, by Howell's merchandise. There's a tidbit of history for you regarding the demise of Tabernacle Baptist Church in Cardiff, the church that once stood at the end of Tabernacle Lane. I'm Bishop Walter Hanschel from People's Assembly Fellowship of Churches. I know about gambling. I gambled for many years. It destroys lives and families. Gambling breeds corruption and originates out of greed. Vote no on the referendum. 
Hi, I'm Pastor Cedric Moss from Kingdom Life Church, reminding believers everywhere of the Word of God that says, Keep your lives free from the love of money, and be content with what you have. For God has promised, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Therefore, on referendum day, vote no. Hi, I'm Alan Lee, Senior Pastor, Teacher of Calvary Bible Church. Gambling is based on avarice, greed, and discontent. The Bible tells us that we should be content with what we have because God provides our needs. And so I encourage all Bahamians to vote no when it comes to the referendum on gambling. Thinking about that story and wondering about the church and its congregation, I had an unexpected image pop into my mind. That image was one from the future and one that anticipated that the rapture had already taken place. At that point, of course, all believers would have been snatched away, away from planet Earth, away from the life on this planet. The Lord would have returned for his church. Plenty of stuff will still be going on in the places from which the believers would have been raptured, of course. The believers will not be there, but the myriad activities that make up life and living will continue, regardless of how chaotic it may be after so many people go missing. Amid the fear and concern that these people have suddenly disappeared, the authorities will obviously try to provide plausible explanations. Like Tabernacle Baptist Church at the end of Tabernacle Lane, the Church of Jesus Christ would have been swallowed up, merged and absorbed into the aftermath of the rapturous occurrence. There will be evidences of those Christian icons, of course. Church buildings will remain. Christian bookshops will be where they used to be, but probably very few, if any, people in them. People may, in their search for answers as to what may have happened, could pick up some of those Christian books left in the stores. But it's too late. We will be with our Lord, leaving behind the cares and worries of this life, throwing our crowns at the Lord's feet. Our redemption will have been made finally complete. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. I am crucified with Christ, therefore I no longer live. Jesus Christ now lives in me. suffered though it will cost all you claim and 
as yours. Your sacrifice will seem small beside the treasure. Eternity can't measure what Jesus holds in store. Embrace the love the cross requires. Cling to the one whose heart knew every pain. Receive from Jesus fountains of compassion Only He can fashion your heart to move as His Oh, wondrous cross, our desires rest in You Oh, Lord Jesus, make us bolder To face with courage the shame and disgrace You bore upon your the life that comes from dying come trace the steps the Savior walked for you an empty tomb concludes Golgotha's sorrow endure then till tomorrow your cross of suffering Embrace the cross Embrace the cross The cross of And now with his message for today, here's our pastor, Alan Lee. Good morning. Today we conclude our expository studies of the Epistle of 1 John, which have been the focus of our attention for the past several weeks. We have seen that the Apostle John's overall objective in the Epistle is to present three tests by which we can objectively determine whether or not a person is a genuine Christian. He does this to combat the influx of false teachers and false Christians within the Ephesian church at that time, where he ministered as a teaching elder and pastor. The three tests he presented are the doctrinal, the moral, and the social. The doctrinal test focuses on belief in the deity of Christ. The moral test focuses on obedience to the word of God, and the social test focuses on love for other Christians. 
John says that the mark of a genuine Christian is a belief in the biblical teaching that Jesus is God, which is then demonstrated by a consistent and ongoing obedience to the word of God and a deep love for other Christians. These three elements are all tied together into one. You cannot have one without the other and be a true Christian. If one professes to be a Christian but hates other Christians because of their race, color, beliefs, or anything else, the Apostle John says he is a liar. In fact, even if one shows concern, compassion, and apparent love for others, but does not believe that Jesus is God, John says that person is also not a genuine Christian. If one says he or she believes that Jesus is God, but does not obey the word of God as a way of life, John says that person is also not a true believer. He makes it clear that he is referring to a lifestyle that characterizes these traits. A genuine Christian may falter in these areas at different times, but his or her life will not, and in fact, John says, cannot be characterized by failures in any one of these areas on an ongoing, permanent, consistent basis. In the first part of chapter 5, the apostle contrasts the true child of God with the children of the devil. And he emphasizes the fact that you can only be one or the other, although you might act like one and not be that one. And as we saw in our last two studies, he describes five things of which the believer can be certain. He can be certain of eternal life if he has the Son, verse 13. He can be certain of answered prayer if he prays in keeping with the will of God. That's verses 14 through 17. He can be certain of victory over sin and the devil because it is Christ who keeps him, verse 18. He can also be certain that he belongs to God and not to the devil, verse 19. And now in verses 20 to 21, he can be certain that Jesus is God. Listen then as I read these verses from the New International Version, or better yet, please follow along with me in your own Bible if possible. 1 John chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. End of quote. And so John concludes this epistle by focusing on the doctrinal test, the certainty that Jesus is God. He says, we know also. Now, the we here underlines the fact that he is talking to believers in Christ, genuine Christians. They are to know certain things if they are believers in Christ. Now, the word know here refers to a personal, intimate, experiential one, not merely a theoretical knowledge. It is in the present tense also, which in the context takes on the emphasis of a perfect tense. In other words, John is saying that Christians are in a constant state of knowing the things that he lists in this epistle. It is a knowledge that began at a point in the past and continues to the present time. In other words, it is an abiding knowledge. 
The also in the text indicates that the apostle is adding to other things he has already mentioned they believe and know. This is a major emphasis of the apostle in this epistle, the fact that we can know these things. What is it then that Christians also know? First, John says, they know that the Son of God has come. Now again, has come is translated is come in the King James Version. This is also in the present tense and carries the idea that the effects of a past event continues to the present time. In other words, the Christian knows by experience that God came or appeared as a man through the Incarnation and that his presence continues even today in the context to believers. The Christian is therefore assured of Christ's continuing presence. He has come to and remains with the believer, in the believer. What a comforting thing this is to know with certainty, my friends. Jesus is with us, and he is God. John goes on to say that Jesus has come to and continues with the believer to give him an understanding so that we may know that he is true. Now again, the phrase has given is also in the perfect tense and describes an ongoing action that has taken place in the past but continues to the present. When Christ came to the believer in salvation, he gave him an understanding of his true nature, and that understanding continues to remain with the true believer. Understanding in this text means insight, and the text literally reads, that which comes to the mind. In other words, it refers to a settled perception or understanding that has come about as a result of certain facts being filtered or proceeded through the mind of the individual. It alludes to the thought presented in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, where Paul exhorts the consecrated believer to be renewed in his mind in order to understand the will of God. John is saying that Christ provides the believer with the necessary cognitive, intellectual facts that cause him to arrive at the conclusion that God is the truth or God is the one who is true. This knowledge and conviction come only through divine illumination and it never leaves a true child of God. What a precious truth this is. But notice again, John says, to know him who is the truth. In other words, the object or content of the divine knowledge is personal, not theoretical or abstract. True spiritual knowledge centers in the person of God, and as we shall see, both in God the Father and in God the Son. Now the word true in this text may also be translated real or genuine. So John is saying that God the Son provides the believer with an ongoing spiritual and intellectual knowledge of the fact that God is the only true and genuine God. Now we will see why he stresses this point in just a moment, because we are now coming to one of the greatest passages in scriptures that deals with the deity of Jesus Christ. The apostle says, and I quote, We are in him who is true even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Wow, what a statement this is. John has just said, mind you, that God the Father is the true God 
Now he says, believers are in him who is the truth. That is God's son, Jesus Christ. He is clearly saying that Jesus is also God. He is one with the Father. They are both the only true God. He makes this even clearer in the next phrase when he says, and I quote, He, that is Jesus Christ, is the true God and eternal life. The Apostle John is saying what he has already said in the previous verses of this chapter. Jesus is the Son of God. God the Father himself testifies to this fact. If you believe the Father, you must believe the Son. If you have the Son, you have the Father. If you do not have the Son, neither do you have the Father. Eternal life is given by the Father. Eternal life is in the Son. He who does not have the Son does not have life, or the Father who gives us life through his Son. John states the same truth in chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. Listen, no one, he says, who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. See that what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If it does, you also remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he promised us, even eternal life. End of quote. John is echoing these words of Jesus himself, as given in the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 27 through 30. Here is what Jesus says. My sheep listens to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. End of quote. Note his words in John 17, verses 1 through 3 as well. Father, he says, the time has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Notice the definition of eternal life. Quote, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. What fantastic concepts are being presented here. Truly, they can only be understood by divine illumination. To be in the Son is to be in the Father. To have the Son is to have eternal life. To have eternal life is to truly know the Father and the Son. John has emphasized this throughout this epistle. He ends with the same emphasis. Why? Because false teachers were causing havoc among the people of God. False shepherds were wearing sheep's clothing, and they were scattering the flock of God by feeding them evil doctrine that Jesus was not God. They were saying that Jesus was not the real or genuine God. And so he concludes by saying, Dear children, keep yourselves from idols. Let's close our series then on this tremendous epistle with a word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the clarity of your word concerning the absolute deity of your Son, Jesus Christ. Grant that we as Christians might heed the Apostles' counsel to protect ourselves from false teachers 
and false gods by remaining faithful to your word and grant that those who are listening to this broadcast but do not know Jesus Christ as Savior might place their faith in him today in keeping with your will. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground. happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the in a moment Jesus Christ could come again